0: Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting startup founders share their stories and strategies. They also deliver tangible lessons learned along the way that you can apply to your own startup. Each episode is a true masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin.
1: This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Sam Jacobs. Sam, thanks for joining us all the the way from WeWork today. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, Uh, glad to be here. Well, it's it's a pleasure having you on the on the pod today. But uh, before we get started, like if you and I met at a networking event, how would you introduce yourself?
0: Well, I would say, uh, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. Uh, my name's Sam. I'm the CEO and founder of Pavilion. Pavilion is a community of 10,000 uh, go-to-market professionals all over the world who come together uh, to help each other unlock and achieve their professional potential which is a way of saying that we've built a global community of 10,000 folks, all of whom are in sales, marketing, customer success and operations. And we build and train them through uh, Pavilion University, online courses, and other in-person events to help people get better at their jobs and do better work.
1: So, I mean, just based on that intro alone, I'm thinking this is EO meets Wikipedia or something like that, is there? Like the two of them had a baby.
0: That's, you know, that's not a, that's not a terrible way to put it. I think, I think what it is, is it's YPO or EO or one of these old kind of legacy networking and community support businesses or Vistage, right? It's all of these businesses, but it's just digital first. It's, uh, I think that EO is great. um, And, you know, they got thousands and thousands and thousands of members and YPO is great, but they're not, they weren't born in the internet era. And Mm. a lot of the folks, because we have people that are members of EO and members of Pavilion, and they'll say, well, it's just a different kind of person because mm-hmm. everybody within Pavilion tends to work at a venture capital-backed company or a company that might be public but was venture capital-backed. And when you're in EO, it's still awesome, but you might be sitting next to the president of the local Coldwell Banker franchise and right. you know the local guy from Northwestern Mutual that sold you your life insurance or, or gal, yep. uh, which is nothing. That's fine. Um, but But this is a more diverse from a DNA perspective, but homogenous from a career perspective.
1: I mean, that's kind of where I, I had the uh, the Wikipedia yeah <laughs> DNA exactly. that had to, had to speak into that. But yeah, So it, it, uh, it is really interesting. And I, I know that uh, I kind of checked out a, another interview you had done, and I understand that you went to university about, I'm guessing about 60 miles from where I'm sitting right now at, at University of Virginia.
0: I did go to the University of Virginia, which on which you know today is a makes it a bit sad, but uh, but yeah, I graduated from 19, in nineteen ninety
1: nine. So one of the, I mean maybe the finest state institution in the country. You know, and and under, you know, <laughs> as as judged by by many <laughs> by Virginia residents, yes, <laughs> many many UVA professors. That's <laughs> right. Where uh, where are you, no. Kevin? It's a great school. I'm actually in Richmond, Virginia. Oh, so on, of course, just yeah, just on the Almost on the west side, 64. even pointing towards Charlottesville. So exactly, head on sixty four uh, west, and you'll be right there in a Right Jiffy. on sixty four. That's exactly. exactly. I'm a driver nine iron, probably yeah. from from uh, <laughs> from sixty four, but. So, yeah, it's really interesting just to kind of hear this, uh, you know, what I guess what has been birthed today and, and even kind of iteration 2.0 out of the out of the initial you know, stage of, of the company. But tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of the serendipitous journey. I mean, I, what I understand, there's a little music, music entree in the in the uh, history there that you you kind of got your maybe, maybe earned your stripes in.
0: Yeah, well, uh, like, you know, uh, and and also close to where you are right now. So, uh, you know, back in 1999 and 2000, I graduated from UVA, it was the first dot com boom, I moved to New York, all my friends were musicians, I wanted to start a record label to support them, I had this idea what I really wanted to do was go back to college, but I needed to create a, a context a pretense for it. So we rented a farmhouse in Keswick, Virginia, which is you know on the on the east side of Charlottesville towards yeah. Richmond. Yeah, and uh, and we we're gonna you know live together in a commune and you know write amazing music and do all kinds of fun stuff. And I got down there and realized that my friends weren't that good at music, uh, which was problematic, <laughs> of course. Uh, trying to get started in the in the record industry. But, uh, and that was, you know, that was my first foray into entrepreneurialism and that didn't work out so well. But uh, after that, I went back to New York and I worked at startups for 15 years and, uh, and increasingly uh, senior roles and two things happened as I became more senior in my career. One of them was that I kept getting fired. So, and my, my, my tenure kept shrinking seven and a half years at the first spot, four and a half years at the next spot, 18 months, nine months and 10 months. So I, I've got the last
1: one was two days. Yeah, it's <laughs> really
0: well. Now I'm back on it because I'm not. I work at a company that cannot fire me for all <laughs> intents and purposes. Thank God. Um, but but my tenure kept shrinking while the skills are uh, required to be good at the job kept changing mm. and expanding because all of these jobs, chief revenue officer, that is a role that's a title that's probably 15 years old at most, mm-hmm. and there's no common job description for every single thing you're supposed to know how to do. The certainly the The CEOs and the founders of high growth companies and tech startups, they definitely don't know what you're supposed to do. All they know is that, you know, they hope that you help them make money. And so I started bringing people together to share best practices in an EO kind of way, in a YPO kind of way, you know, group therapy. Let's all talk about what our common challenges and problems are over a meal. And, uh, And that we gave it a name. We called it Revenue Collective. I started working on that eight years ago. And then, uh, you know, and I and I got a new book coming out, so I should make sure I mention that Uh, it's actually out uh, this week. It's called Kind Folks Finish First. And it's all about this journey. And this journey really began in earnest on Friday, the 13th of October 2017. So about five years ago. Uh, And that was the last time that was the second to last time I was fired from a company called The Muse. And that was when I just decided I needed to get off the merry-go-round. I needed to start moving in a single uh, direction that wasn't in a circle. And so that was when I decided to turn what was then called Revenue Collective, but is now called Pavilion, into a business. And so I started charging dues, and I sold some sponsorships, and I started working on it first part-time during 2018. And then about four years ago, almost to the day, I started working on it full-time. And you know, and the rest, I don't know if it's been history, but it's been successful uh, we've got about 10,000 members all over the world. We've got communities in every major city. Definitely have a few folks in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Definitely have a few folks in Charlottesville. And uh, yeah, and we've become, what we've really become is a training platform. We really help make sure that people have the skills they need to be
1: good at their job. So before I kind of dive into Pavilion and and I mean i the things that I'm picturing in my mind is like LinkedIn learning on steroids, you yep, know, type, or, or maybe fair. with with a better support, you know, system on. You're back pretty end
0: good of, at these uh, at these uh, metaphors that you're grabbing. <laughs> I, I, that works for me.
1: I can't operate any other way. That's, yeah, everything's an imagination. But um, so it's interesting. You you said I kept getting fired from these jobs. Now there are two reasons that historically that I, I see that people get fired. One is that you know you're just uh, you're just difficult. You know, you're, you're, you're just, you you just tell over and over again. You're difficult. The second is that you your DNA just may be wired. You know, I've, I, there's another famous podcast out there that it talks about just being unemployable. You know, because the way you're wired, you're you're wired as an entrepreneur. You're wired as as a as a um, self starting, you know, individual that doesn't like constraint, artificial constraints. I guess is a is a good way to put it. You know you like the creativity of being able to kind of chart your own course and assume the risk of that you know they're being fine with i'm okay with the risk it, it's a it's a risk reward system i'm okay i understand the 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 uh, circumstances so how where do you fit in that spectrum i mean you're describing my life <laughs> so <laughs> the difficult uh, side or the, the both i think i
0: think there's definitely a relationship between being difficult and unemployable no that's you know, the, the worst kind of uh, that second kind of person, which was me, right? So here's the, the thing about working for a company by definition, right? When you work for a company, especially as an executive, you work in service of the CEO's vision, mm-hmm. right? Especially sure. if they're the founder, like that's, that's the job. They're the boss and you work in service of, of their vision. And if you have a problem with that, that's not really their problem. That's yeah. your problem. Yeah. You know, and so it was my problem, Uh, you know, we've all been in relationships sometimes maybe where you're with your partner, and you feel like they just want to fight, they don't want to resolve it. They're not, they're not leaving, and they're not happy staying, they want to stay and be unhappy. And that was me, you know, where it's like, if you don't like the situation that you're in, because you think you're smarter than the CEO. That's great, Sam go start a company. Mm -hmm. But if you're not going to do that, then put a smile on your face and stop being such a stick in the mud. Yeah. And, um, you know, or, or other phrases that are not as nice. (laughs) And so (laughs) pain in the ass might be one. So, um, and that was kind of, that was my level of maturity. That was the evolution that needed to happen, which is, I I went in there a little bit like a, you know, a little bit of a spoiled brat in some ways, saying, Hey, I think I'm, you know, smarter and better. And it's like, okay. um, If you think you're smarter and better, and, you, you know, wipe, get the smirk off your face, you know, get yeah. the eye rolls, like lose yep. all of that stuff, like just yep. be a team player. And so, um, you know, when I came to that realization, you know, when you're young, you blame all your problems on other people. And at some point you realize that your problems are largely of your own mm-hmm. creation. Mm-hmm. And that was what happened to me. I realized that, you know, I realized what I'm saying, that either I needed to do my own thing or I needed to suck it up. And yeah. uh, and so, and to your point, I have a big prop, the big, you know, people say, it's it's a risk to start your own company, but exactly to your point, I, for me it was much, it was a much bigger risk every single day walking into somebody mm. else's company, worried because at some point like there's you know you feel like a, a you know an abused animal in the sense that like you start to see the signals and then you are like maybe I'm going to get fired today, maybe I'm going to get fired today because you know yeah. the warmth has shifted and you're not getting quite as much support and the CEO is a little bit more distant and uh and then you want to think that you're just paranoid and that you're skittish and then it turns then you get fired and then you realize you weren't paranoid you were just mm, yeah perceiving reality. So right at any rate you, you know yeah to your long-winded answer but i i think i'm effectively unemployable
1: which is you know now i'm in this good situation. I mean it's interesting that that you know uh, maybe 95% of society out there may look at that as a as a detriment or a you know a, a character flaw and i'm thinking you know, the issue is that to do what you're doing, though, you have to have that, you know, you can't operate, you can't be a CEO with an employee mentality. I mean, you, you can't be an effective one because no, it's uh, know.
0: it's a job that I know how to do better than any other job, mm. uh, because because so to your point, like I, I just sort of I kind of you know, my whole thing, the whole time, why do you think you're smarter than somebody? And I don't think I'm smarter than everybody. There's just certain times when I have a strong opinion. And what I've learned over my life is, again, I don't have a strong opinion on everything. Most yep. things I don't have a strong opinion on. But when I do have a strong opinion, my experience, and this sounds so, I don't know, egotistical or whatever, it's like, it's better to just do what I say, because I'm right most of the time. I'm not right 100% of the time. I have a strong opinion, but I'm right most of the time and I'm decisive about it. And so we'll get, we'll find out whether I'm right or wrong quickly rather than debating it. Mm -hmm. And that's a good, so for me as a CEO, it's, it's very, it's, it's a useful skill because I can figure out where do we need debate and where do we not need debate? Cause, and, and if there's, I'm sure people that have, you know, a problem with that leadership style, and hopefully those people will, find a, a leader that they collaborate with more effectively. But for me, I understand the job of the CEO pretty well. Uh, I'm a pretty good communicator. I understand you're supposed to set the vision. You're supposed to hire people smarter than yourself, get out of the way, and make sure we never run out of money. And so that's what I do.
1: Have you have you kind of personalized your interaction with with employees? Like have you kind of said, I, I recognize myself in you right now. And you're not on a good path, brother. <laughs> you, you are, you're doing the eye roll. You're doing the, uh, it's funny. I, you gotta be, you gotta be
0: delicate. Cause you know, even if I had said that to myself, I wouldn't want to do, you know, it's, it's all about, you can't, it's not about uh, convincing your kid when you got him a a red bicycle for Christmas or Hanukkah that, Uh, that they like it. Well, you have to make them believe as it was their idea to get the red bicycle. (laughs) And, you know, and so you got, you got to make the, your team believe that they came to these realizations on their own and you give them a little bit of a nudge, but yeah, I I hire a lot of, all of my executive team, except for one person, it's their first time being a VP. Mm. So yeah, we, I encounter that a lot early in their, you know, early in their sort of executive career, the biggest mistake that you make when you're an executive reporting to somebody else is you think that you think that it's like a math test. You think either I'm right or I'm wrong, hmm. and you're like, and that's not how it is. It's not about whether you're. There's no right and wrong. You know, it. This is why uh, chess is such a sort of bad metaphor for business because chess always has a discrete correct answer. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a there's a math engine at play, and you know, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of different options, but there's a right move and a wrong move but there's no right and wrong move in business most of the time and being right. Doesn't really matter if everybody hates you and nobody wants to do Mm. what you're asking them to do. You need to be able to build consensus. You need to be able to take feedback and you need to be able to acknowledge that sometimes you're going to get outvoted and that's okay. And um, so, yeah, I deal with people like that all the time uh, on my team and I try to help them get where they want to go because just like me, most of the time, they're still incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. You know, they're still very, very smart I yeah. want their contributions, and I'm seeing that myself and them. I can tolerate it. It's not the end of the world. I'm just trying to nudge them along a little bit,
1: well, you know nothing's wasted in uh, in our historic economy here, so in our personal economy of of life. So it is uh, it's interesting to me that, you know, you this is kind of a serendipitous route you've taken to get to to pavilion. But, just let's let's dive a little deeper into the the platform itself. So, what's the what's its unique selling point? What uh, you know, what's kind of the one line elevator sales pitch of, you know, getting people to understand what they're 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 getting into with Pavilion.
0: Well, I think um, I wish I had a better one line uh, elevator pitch. the The point I think is in the modern world, uh, all of our jobs are pretty lonely, and they're lonely because mm. they're new. And there is no formal job description and nobody knows how to do them. Uh, and you can't you can't really read a textbook about how to do sales today or marketing today because it's changing by the day. So where yep. are you going to go? How are you going to make sure that you have access to the new skills, the new techniques, the new knowledge? And also, by the way, the average tenure of, a, of all of our jobs is shrinking. I wasn't the only one. Right. It wasn't just that I was getting, everybody's getting fired. Mm-hmm. Everybody's changing jobs. We're in the middle of a bunch of layoffs right now, but even absent that, people are changing jobs. So you're going to be moving jobs every year and a half, two years. How are you going to have a career? You know, at the end of 20 or 30 years, you're in your 50s or 60s. You want to make sure you got all the things that we read about in the newspaper, right? We, we, that you got a house, that you have wealth, that you're not scared, you know, um, stiff, that. Uh, you're not going to be able to pay your bills, that you've worked with people and built meaningful relationships, and you're not going to die alone. How do, you, how do you increase the likelihood that all of those good things happen? And Pavilion is a platform designed to help you do that, to increase the likelihood that you that you achieve what you want to achieve from your careers. So what does that mean exactly? How do we do that? Well, we built a community of 10,000 folks, and the community comes together to help each other. So first, there's a shared set of values. But then on top of that, we take all of these people, and we've got 3,000 of the 10,000 are the world's leading startup executives. And uh, we build content and we build courses with them. And so we, ha- we created this thing called Pavilion University. And so, you, like you said, LinkedIn learning on steroids, right? It's you take classes in, to teach you how to do your job across all of the different skill sets and functional areas that make up a go-to-market engine for a high growth company. So sales, marketing, sales development reps, account executives, All of the people that are supposed to be responsible for the engine of revenue for our company, they need to be trained. And yeah, you can hire one-off trainers here and there, but isn't it better to have them enroll in the world's largest go-to-market university online and give them access to the world's best practitioners who will then teach them the skills that they need and mentor them at the same time? And so that's really why would you join Pavilion? You join to get better at your job. You join because you'd have access to the world's leading practitioners, and you join because we're going to help you develop and train your team as well, so that you can rest assured and when you sleep at night that your account executives are getting training, your sales development reps are getting training, your marketers are getting training, all from famous people that you know that you've heard of. So that's- and practitioners exactly, and yeah, one not, of the lines that we have not just theorists, you know, and I get no offense to the Ivy league, but you know, on my social media, I get ads from Columbia and from Wharton on, you know, chief marketing officer. And Mm -hmm. they don't, they're not going to be able to teach me how to be a CMO at a startup. They don't know, you know, whatever they know is, uh, is, is, is years old at this point. Maybe they can teach me some of the ideas between behind being like CMO of Procter and Gamble, but that's not what I need to know. You know, Mm -hmm. I need to know it's a, sixty person company doing ten million in revenue, and I need to know how to get it to twenty million before I get fired. yeah, and that's what pavilion can help you help you. That problem is what we're designed to solve
1: so that you just what you described sounds like a learning platform, but i I also could envision that it would be like a support community slash network as well,
0: yeah. So we call it community powered learning. That's what's what the category. and it's exactly that. It's it's a learning platform, but it's primarily live, taught by practitioners, and uh, you take those classes in cohorts, groups of 10 Mm -hmm. to 15, like a study group, and you get to know people through your study group, and you get to take the classes and meet the instructors, and you also get access to the broader community, and of course, there's like layers of community, there's the people you take the class with, the people that you take the whole course with, Mm -hmm. the people that are all in Pavilion University, and all of the people in the broader global community. And again, the thing that that underpins all of it, hopefully, which is the point of the book, to be honest with you, um, is a shared set of values. Mm -hmm. You know, the goal of the book, the goal of the business is the the tip of the spear, the Trojan horse. You know, the reason you're going to open the door is because we're going to train you. Right. But once we're in the door and when you're sitting in your living room, we're going to put kindness and compassion and spirituality and the values of the business we're going to put those in your drinking water and we're going to put it in your food and so before you know it you're eating our donuts and you're sipping our lemonade and you're going to emerge hopefully a nicer person more likely to help your fellow peers in pavilion and your fellow
1: peers out in the world I mean, so we're gonna to have to go back to metaphor class here because I think everything <laughs> worked except the Trojan horse idea. So you know, it's like it's like you're trying to slip me a Mickey here. You're trying I'm to I'm trying to slip, slip you a Mickey switcher. of kindness.
0: I'm Just trying to it. slip you a Mickey of kindness and <laughs> compassion.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love the the idea. And it's um as I as I think about that, the idea of having, you know kind of, the, I love the idea of practitioners teaching because it, it really is real time because they're actually still doing, you know, the things that they're teaching. And it is so, you know, like, like you said, I mean, in a, in, in a university setting, I mean, often the, the, the thing is outdated by the time it's taught, you know, percent antiquated. And also
0: and, there's a cost infrastructure, you know, we have competitors. Um, I mean, I guess Columbia is a competitor, right? I mean, they're much bigger and billions of dollars in endowments and all that stuff but they've also got a business model predicated on selling people 60 70 80 thousand dollar a year subscriptions you know that's what tuition is exactly and you know our stuff is a couple thousand dollars a year Mm -hmm. and so i just also think we're disruptive in that way i I didn't set out to you know just i don't really love the word disrupt i'm not trying to Mm -hmm. be like some
1: this is not the uber of business education yeah
0: exactly this isn't like some fashion trend But the reality is that, um, you know, college is really, really expensive. Mm. And the likelihood that you're going to learn stuff and be connected to people that actually know how to do whatever job you end up taking is low. Now, for Mm -hmm. UVA, you know, I went to the McIntyre School, the the business school, and they put you on a track. And if you go into strategy consulting or investment banking or go to work at a hedge fund, like that's what they want you to do. And they Mm -hmm. will train you to do that. But they, you know, they wouldn't even, I've, I've done some guest lecturing at, at McIntyre, and they won't even use the word sales. They don't like the word sales. They feel it diminishes the school. And so there's mm-hmm. all, there's not that many schools that are actually teaching you the jobs that you're going to need to know how to do when you enter the
1: workforce and try to be productive. Yeah.
0: So, you know, we're part of part of the overall trend of helping people solve that challenge.
1: Know, especially on your own. I mean the whole idea that you you have to, I mean everything is sales. You know, it's everything is generating revenue at the, at the end of the day. 100% everything is. Um I'm curious about the kind of the output side of things or the back end side of things. Is there a is there a certification process? Is there yeah. a, I mean are you accredited somehow connected We're to- not
0: accredited yet, but yeah, we we uh we, there's a certification process that you get there's certificates of completion and we're building so we are the crazy thing about our business cuz you know we're we're close to 20 million in revenue and 65 employees and 10,000 members and if you said okay Sam where do I go to log in I'll tell you well there's nowhere to go to log in cuz we don't have our own platform yet you're like how did you build a 20 million dollar business without having anything to log into and i will say i don't know but so we're building our own platform and that purpose of the platform will primarily be credentialization and kind of reputation development. You know, Mm -hmm. the same thing as getting certifications and different things that you want to credentials that you'll put on your LinkedIn profile. We want to be an an institution that people recognize they already do. You know, we already hear from hiring managers. They prefer to hire pavilion members versus non because they know they're going to be trained and they know they're going to be invested in their own professional success. Um, but we just want to amplify that a little bit to your point. So what we're building is not just certification, but also leaderboards and rankings. And these are the top 10 students in frontline sales manager school this semester, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Is there any, any partnership joint venture model that you've thought of that says, you know, we're going to, we're going to partner with an employer that wants a specific skill set? And everybody that's trained through this this particular course for that skill set is is then fed into their kind of their their pool of candidates.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, that's what our corporate membership business is. That's pretty. Mm-hmm. I think that there's, I mean, we're you know we're still we're still young, so there's a lot mm-hmm. there's a lot uh, of exploration to do. I think there's there's where I thought you might be going is there's a very natural partnership opportunity with schools themselves. Yeah. With, you know, universities and other places that are not teaching these disciplines or curriculum, right. but would probably like to offer it as part of, in some way, just as mm-hmm. an augmentation of their mm-hmm. core curriculum, just so they have an answer to what do you, how are you helping people, you know, enter the world of startups and this might be an answer for it.
1: Oh, I, I for sure, uh, although I, I maybe it's a completely different mentality on, you know, how to educate the, uh, I mean, I, I think you, you really are. You, you really are the tip of the spear. I mean, on the, this idea of, of, you know, real time, effective, you know, usable information that uh, I can, I can use tomorrow, you know, on, on whatever you're trying to train, but um, what are, what's been some of the the hurdles that you've encountered? I mean, first of all, tell me when Revenue Collective started and, you know, the transition to Bavilion, what was the kind of the impetus for that change and you know since when like when when's 2.0 started when when did that start and what's been the the change since then
0: well revenue collective started in 2014 so eight years ago and uh, and it started you know we changed the name to pavilion a year ago a year and a half ago and uh, we also announced a twenty five million dollar investment from elephant ventures and it's been um and this year you know the, so why did we change the name first we changed the name because the words revenue collective first limited us obviously to revenue professionals we don't just hmm. yeah it's not that we're serving a bunch of other people now it's just that we want the option potentially to serve other people and also the word collective is a little it's a little inward looking, you know, it's a little defensive, right? It's like the idea of us versus them. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I was as a human being, you know, I was pretty bitter getting fired all the time. So this was a club (laughs) that CEOs couldn't join and consultants couldn't join and you couldn't join and she couldn't join. And it was only for this particular group of people. And of course that made it much more intriguing for a lot of folks, but, uh, but when you want to grow, you probably have to look anew at some of those, at those rules, but also, you know, so where did pavilion come from? I would love to say, I wouldn't love, I'm proud that we didn't hire a branding agency. It came from me on a run because I run a lot and uh, thinking what's, I need a new word and I need a word that speaks to openness and development and actualization. That's not about us versus them. It's just about the best you. And that's where I came up with Pavilion and I saw, you know, the ticker dollar sign PVLN on the NASDAQ, like in my head. And um, so that's, so we we changed the name as a way of of sort of like shifting The overall perspective, which really underscores, you know, again, the book, the book's called kind folks finish first. And it's it's a really about this journey of not being against anybody, just being for, you know, for other people, actually for yourself, for other people, helping people achieve their goals. So that's now a lot has changed. And this year has been the year of the biggest change. And so what have we learned? Well, we learned uh, when it started off, it was even more EO, you know, it was more, it was a dinner club for executives. And it was a the category was called community, and what happens when you try to grow is that you or what happened to us at least is that uh, turns out that community is a pretty gray category. Not quite clear what it means. Not quite clear what you get from it. Like what's the ROI? What's what's the tangible? And yeah, when you know. When you've got 30 years to build the organization, like YPO or EO, then mm. maybe it doesn't matter. But if you're trying to grow quickly, it does matter because people need to know what's in it for them. Why me? Why me now? You know. Yeah. And um, and so we realized, and so it started breaking down because people, everybody had their own idea about community. So they'd give it a shot because we have great word of mouth, and then it wasn't clear what they were supposed to do. And so we saw churn uh, tick up this year. You know, when we saw, just like many companies facing economic headwinds, and we realized we needed to be just much clearer about what to expect, like what do you actually get. Mm. And so we distilled the value proposition this year, and uh, and we caught, we shifted it to community powered learning, and we said the center, the heartbeat of the whole thing is learning, because everybody knows what it means to take a class online, and um, and then we'll add amazing in person events. Uh, and small group get togethers at, at for, for executives specifically. And that will, be, you know, that will be the value proposition. And everybody knows what it means to go to an event and go to a summit and buy a ticket to a summit. And everybody knows what it means to take a class. And so that clarity of, of sort of product marketing coupled with uh, just you know, better branding and clearer expectation management, uh, we think, we hope we are seeing leads to happier members and, you know, and reignites our growth.
1: Who, did, who would you say is your biggest competitor? direct competitor or is there is there one
0: there's not really i mean you know it's very who's our biggest linkedin learning mm-hmm. maybe you know i mean i because I, I sometimes it's like you know everybody's like we don't have any competitors uh the you know doing nothing is still the biggest one-off training companies are probably competition in terms of their competing for professional development budgets so yeah. miller hyman and corn ferry and sandler and uh, you know those are those are but you know, that's such a big universe. It's such a big market. We rarely come it up is, head to head yeah. against them. Right. So, right. um, you know, the the biggest competitor is lack of, uh, awareness of what we do. Mm. You know, that's like yeah. the biggest impediment.
1: So as we, uh, kind of approaching the, the end of our chat today, I, I, uh, I really want to kind of pick your CEO brain here. Um, this sure. is for, I mean, for all those that are a little further behind you on the journey that, either they've just launched something or they're, you know, they're sitting in their cube feeling trapped and are, are wanting to launch something. Give me, give me one or two things that are you know, just kind of one liners that, that are you think are really germane that you have learned in the last few years about um, that are just kind of universal, you know, universal truths about being a good CEO and, and really running a company. Well, you know, either things you learn, don't do this or do this, you know, what are what are a couple of things that just really come to mind? I've I could talk at length about this. So the first thing, you know, Here's again, the five hundred things I did yeah, wrong. It,
0: the first, so month. many things. Here, here's the number one thing I did right. Um, you you got to love your customers. You you really do. The the it's not obviously you need to pick a big market where you hopefully have lots of customers and you need to build something that they care about. But how are you going to build something that they care about? It's not going to be leap. You know, it's not going to be Athena leaping from uh, you know, from whatever, uh, you know, fully formed, I think from the brain of the cracked head of Zeus, I could be wrong, but anyway, um, it's not going to, your, your idea will not be perfect upon, uh, when, when it comes, when it comes to light, it, it will be improved based on feedback. And mm-hmm. so, and so if you care about your customers and you can really empathize with their problems and you're in it for them, not for you, then you have a chance of building something meaningful. Um, I worked at companies where the founders were dismissive of their customers. You know, they thought the engineers were the stars of the party, people building the software, and that their customers were almost foolish for not knowing how to use the software properly. Yeah. Uh, that, that perspective just doesn't work. It doesn't work because people know when you don't like them, mm. and they can feel it, and they can feel your disdain, and it comes through in the product. And so it's really about, you got to, you got to love your customer. You got to love them and you got to think about them and you got to obsess about them. And if you do that, you have a good chance. The second thing I will say is um, this is just a a lesson that I I honestly didn't believe this as strongly as I do today. And it sounds ridiculous, but nevertheless, talent is everything. And you're Mm. like, well, did you not believe that talent was everything before? No, I didn't. I didn't. I thought I was such a good CEO and that, uh, you know, I was going to be the person that was going to give all of the discarded people of the world, their best chance. And I was going to show that it didn't really matter, you know, who was on the team, as long as the team was a good team that wanted to work together. And that's all true, but it still helps to have, you know, um, Steph Curry on your basketball team and Clay Thompson, and you can still build a great team and, you know, and, but, but when you got Steph Curry on the team, it's better. Mm. And, um, I, what you, especially now, especially with remote work, especially in the modern world, um, we can't tell what people are doing. You know, I'm in a work right now and it is, and I'm, there's people watching TV and there's people playing games uh, and it's, they're on somebody's dime right now and they're not doing anything and you can't put in what God left out. You cannot create, you can, you can attach existing intrinsic motivation to a goal. And you can activate motivation within people. But you can't make unmotivated people motivated. And you can't really make dumb people smart. uh, And you can't make uncreative people creative. And so what happens, and especially at the leadership level, this phrase that, that people have said, right, A players hire A players and B players hire C players. And that is the truth. That is the truth. And when you have somebody that's pretty good but not great and you let them run off and build a team, you better watch out. Because there's a, there's a great risk of, mm. of of making a bunch of mediocre hires, and so the lesson this year for me at this company is talent is everything. And yep. I'm I'm proud to say that the group of people that we've got working on this problem, the 65 people that we've got working on this problem, you know, um, I, I feel really really good about these folks. These are these are, and, and that wasn't necessarily the case at the beginning of the year, right? You know, right? And so it's been. Just be real careful about, and there are certain people that are right for a specific stage and they, the business outgrows them and that's understandable, but just everything you can do to bring the best possible people into the company.
1: That is uh, such a great way to, to wrap up today. And I, I love that little phrase, that little bumper sticker you just you know, kind of rattled off there at the end that you can't put in what God left out. I mean, what a great, I, I, you know, I've done this for four and a half years. I've never heard that phrase before. So that is, that's like, what a great way to wrap it up. So, and Sam, thank you again for uh, just taking time. You, you mentioned your book that's coming out, uh, you said next week, I guess. No, it's thanks. out this week. It came oh, out, out this Tuesday. week.
0: Yeah, so it's called Kind Folks Finish First. The Considerate Path to Success in Business and Life. As anybody who knows me knows, I do anything for money, anything at all. So uh, if you, uh, you want to do a bulk order for your, comp- for your company or your customers, I can do in-person appearances. We can do book clubs. We can do all kinds of cool stuff. We're trying to get it on the bestseller list. But, uh, but yeah, it's called Kind Folks Finish First. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere books are sold.
1: And the, the website is joinpavilion.com with one L. Exactly right. Right. I, I, when you said about where the where the idea came from, I thought you were going to talk about the UVA logo that had that kind of looks like a pavilion. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, the Jefferson Memorial or whatever. The Jefferson, there, right? So.
0: Exactly. The lawn and uh, you know and grounds. There you go. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe that was back in the back of my mind. <laughs> there was. That's just
1: right. That's psychological influence. Yeah. There, so, Sam. Thank you again. It's been, a, it's been a real pleasure talking to you and just hearing the story of of pavilion. And uh, we'll. Just be anxious to kind of follow the track i mean you know you're you're funded now it's, it's uh, the upward ride hockey stick path that uh, you got ahead of you uh, that is i sure i hope so i don't
0: yeah well thank you very much kevin it's been great being on the show
1: all right sam well thank you again once for taking the time today and just once again playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide have a great weekend you too thanks a lot